live from the Redeemer Radio 95.7 studios in the shadows of the Golden Dome, this is Notre Dame Federal Credit Union's Irish Sports Saturdays. After not playing each other last year for the first time since 1926, the annual meeting between Notre Dame and Navy is back today at Notre Dame Stadium for the 94th all-time meeting. Kickoff is set for 3.30 p.m. Notre Dame dominates the all-time series, but we all remember 2007, 2009, 2010, 2016 when the mids stunned the Irish. But this isn't that same Navy team. They're just 2-6, and six, so Notre Dame should win without too much trouble today unless, well... 2021 proves to be the season that it has and you just never know what to expect but even if they do what does that mean for the Irish rest of the season as they sit at number 10 in the first college football playoff rankings welcome to Notre Dame Federal Credit Union's Irish Sports Saturdays Notre Dame FCU where Eubank does matter Angel DiCarlo alongside Kevin Downey Ilya Glasman on the other side of the glass Notre Dame defeating North Carolina last week 44-34 to improve to 7-1 in the season now I picked North Carolina to win the game but I just didn't think Notre Dame would have an answer for Sam Howell. The Irish did not, but North Carolina also did not have an answer for Kyron Williams and Jack Cohn as the Irish win by 10. This was the game I thought it was going to be. I just didn't know in the end whether or not North Carolina would end up with more points, and they didn't, and Notre Dame was able to show their offense was just a little bit better. But what were your thoughts, Kevin, uh, on the game as you looked at it? Yeah, I think the the, uh, offense for Notre Dame definitely – stepped up i mean kyron those that huge run was just awesome i think that we talked about his energy and everything not just the stats or you know looking at him as a team leader i thought that was great and it really seems like their offensive line is gradually getting better for sure the timing i mean it's not like you know they're uh giving up all the sacks that they were early in the season so yeah i think it's start the offense for Notre Dame starting to come together yeah, that's one of the questions I have. Is Notre Dame's offense better or the defenses they playing stink and vice versa? Is Notre Dame's defense not very good mm. or are the offenses they've been playing much better? Uh, Ilya, what's your initial thoughts on coming out of North Carolina and heading into this uh, stretch run final four games of the regular season? Well, to, to answer your question, is the Notre Dame offense getting better or are the defense getting worse? I'm going to pull a Kevin here. I'm going to say it's actually both. Oh, I'm going to say it's both. <laughs> it's a little bit of both because uh, I was at the game and I was sitting um, just right above the visitors' locker room. So, uh, for an example, that Jack Cohn touchdown run from 21 mm-hmm. yards, I it was he was ran shocker. straight to me basically and – the thing that when I when he start running during our show and then he got there by the time. <laughs> Sorry, John. But the biggest thing that I noticed was how big that hole was because those two offensive linemen on the uh, what would it be the right hand side, mm-hmm. like they were just like it was a huge hole. There, it was one of the biggest holes I've seen. I mean, like a a whole cattle could run through that, and so it was just uh, the offense. Yes, they're getting better now. To give Notre Dame some credit, North Carolina and USC, like they still have a ton of talent on the sure, on their roster. So, uh, like I said, I think it's just a little bit of both, you know. But you know, let's just hope that we could keep building on this, especially today when we play Navy. All right, uh, on tap on this morning's show, our featured interview today with Digger Phelps. He shared, look, we've heard Digger talk about beating the 88-game win streak over UCLA enough over the years, right? So we went outside the box, let him uh, give some other 
faith-filled stories. He gives a lot of Father Ted stories, his favorite spots on campus that he likes to go to that probably are places most listening don't even realize exist, the hmm. hidden gems of Notre Dame campus. And then he also gives his excitement from Muffin Raw going in the Ring of Honor. We will break down the matchup with Navy and how – you're going from high tempo to milk the clock to high yeah. tempo in consecutive weeks. Uh, New Prairie alum Chase Ketterer has played the role of the Navy quarterback all year in practice. We hear from Chase on his role helping the team next segment. Does Notre Dame have a shot to make the playoff? Is the Irish offense we've talked about good now or the defense is playing bad? We're going to get into all this. This is what I like to call the open flow first segment. We're just going to see where we go. Uh, let's start with the latest on the Irish injuries. Chris Ty Tyree, honestly... No one asked a follow-up on Thursday about Tyree specifically. So I'm not exactly sure if Tyree's back. He played the most unusual role I've ever seen, Mr. Fair Catch. <laughs> he never ran the ball out, and he never played on offense. So you're like, is he okay? I don't even – I mean, like, if the ball would have came down at the four-yard line, what was was he going to return it? I, I don't know what was going to happen there. So we'll see. He's battling turf toe. We'll see if he's back today. The early indication was that he was going to be, but you never know in these things. Brayden Lindsay was back practicing after having a concussion. He is expected to play today. Good news. Uh, you know, top-line freshman tight end prospect Kevin Bauman back after missing a long time. He will play special teams today. Blake Fisher ahead of schedule. Uh, not going to play now. Maybe he gets in for a bowl game, they said. Uh, and then safety Kyle Hamilton is out again today mm -hmm. after getting injured versus USC. Hamilton had another procedure earlier this week. Kelly's saying Virginia is the potential return date. That's where they have targeted it. Um, and Kelly was asked specifically, if Kyle Hamilton's knee is good to go, if he's healthy, do you expect him to play again this year? And Kelly said, yes. But define is his knee healthy, right? It's like this is this is the Jalen Smith factor you're at now. Yeah. And whether or not it's worth it for a guy who's projected to be a top 10 pick to come back and risk the possibility of hurting that knee more and then dropping out from being a top 10 pick. I mean, you're talking well, about... Well, don't take this wrong, but I don't think coming back for Navy is a wise decision. Like, right. I think that that's pretty prudent right, right. to hold him out for that. Right, but the question is, does yeah. he come back next week against Virginia? Does he come back against Georgia Tech? Does he come back against Stanford? Or does he not? And here's the other question. Well, first of all, I don't know if he will or will not. I understand why he wouldn't. Yeah. I think five years ago, I would have been like, this is ridiculous. But then I think when I saw I was there... And I saw what happened to Jalen Smith, and then you see Jalen Smith lose $30 million on a contract. Look, I get it. You know, if you're undefeated right now, I would be like, no, you got to come back. Well, yeah, I guess I was thinking that has to play into it. Like, if, yeah. if, if Notre Dame rises in the ranks. And but they're not going to – I mean, we're going to get maybe. into that in a second. <laughs> but, it, you know, if, if the team keeps winning and they have a chance for something special, then I think you're more likely to see him. If for some reason they, you know, start to lose a couple games – well, yeah, even if, if they win Kyle. and they just hang around eight or nine, yeah. you know, that might not just be a reason enough to, to come back. And here's the other question. Do they need Kyle Hamilton to win these last four games? Ooh, interesting. I mean, well, you, you see what happened best to player. They're going to be better. Did you see what happened field. to Stanford last night? No. They, <laughs> they got annihilated by Utah. I don't even know what the final score was. Did you see what the final score was, Ilya? It was, it was 55 to 7. The great stat from that game was Utah had more points in the first half than Stanford did total yards. Yeah. I, it was 38 nothing at halftime. I mean, 
Well, I, maybe that goes into play too. I mean, I don't know how Stanford beat they 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 are the ones that beat Oregon, right? I mean, yeah, but their their starting quarterback Tanner McKee has been out for a couple go. weeks. See, there this is, is what we have Ilya here for. Oh, yeah. Um, so I don't know. Now Virginia can score like a hundred. I kid, but I mean their score against BYU was nuts. Um, but their defense stinks. Yeah. It's like a replica of the North Carolina game, just that the offense is even better and the defense is even worse. worse. So. I don't know if they will lose a game without him. So, again, do you risk it? Now, I think you kind of would want him next week against Virginia because, now, again, we don't know if their quarterback's back. He, I think he maybe broke a rib against BYU, and they're, <laughs> they have a bye week today. So you're not going to know for sure. So it, it's hard to imagine whether or not he decides to come back or not. I just yeah. – and I, I get it. I mean, Kevin, I'm sure when you were coaching, um, you know, when you were at Ball State, that was unheard of, right? Right. <laughs> if you're ready to go, you're, you're playing. Going, yeah. But it's a different era now. And, totally. And I think we understand that there's different things on the line for these guys. Yeah. Well, and like you said, the, the Jalen Smith thing with literally millions of dollars being lost to that guy. And then look how his career's playing out. Like, there's only so much time you get to play football. Right. And you only get so many snaps. So, I guess. And he just got cut again by the Packers. Yeah. I mean. <laughs> I, I was stunned when he got cut by the Cowboys, Cowboys and now Jalen yeah. cut by the Packers. And you just wonder if he he got to a certain level. But obviously, I, I'm assuming that that he's just not the same player he he has ever been. And it's hard for us, for me to evaluate that. Yeah. Um, I, those coaches are the ones that be able to see that. All right. Uh, by the way, Notre Dame Navy 2023 will be played in Ireland to open the season. You bring in the the eleven over for that game, the, uh, a little, little little plane trip, little plane plane. You guys could just uh, get the family together. Yeah, I mean, you guys could you just we, bring. It'd probably all, be cheaper to take a boat for for my crew, eleven <laughs> people. Yeah, or, or or just get the whole extended family, and you guys could just rent out a plane. You know, you get That's the whole true. the whole uh, the your whole. wife's whole side of the family, and you guys got you know one hundred and fifty just immediate, and yeah. you can go. Uh, last year's game was supposed to be in Dublin, was wiped out because of COVID. Mm. By the way. I mean, we're not going to talk too much about Navy in this show. We're going to talk about it at the end. They're two and six. Yeah. I mean, they lost to Marshall 49-7 in week one. Now, the flip side of that is they only lost to Cincinnati by seven two weeks ago. That was a close game. They lost to SMU by seven, Houston by seven. So they've been in close games. Mm -hmm. But, I mean, they're just not. They're not that good. Well, the Tulsa game too. That was close. Yeah, that was their win last 17. week. Yeah, yeah. So I I don't know how good they are um, here today. We we mentioned Virginia. We mentioned you know Stanford, but mm -hmm. I, I just don't know how good Navy is going to be. All right, college football playoff rankings. Let's talk a little bit about this. Uh, Notre Dame comes in at number ten. I'm not overly surprised. I think the big surprise was, man, did they screw Cincinnati. <laughs> yeah, I mean they they come in at six, and the bottom line is until this field is expanded, there's just th this committee is just not going to let a group of five get into the the top four. I I just yeah. can't believe they put Cincinnati at six. Where well, because we, they were ranked at two for a long, yeah, and we long know, time. and now that you watch the AP ranking will come out tomorrow, and Cincinnati will magically be like five. Yeah, the uh, they'll find a way of readjusting that. Um, I. We were talking about this before the show. Ilya goes, well, I think this hurts Notre Dame because, mm -hmm. you know, it's not a quality loss. The committee does not care about quality losses. They just simply don't. I'm sure there's some minor factor. In a way, this may be better for Notre Dame. 
I know that sounds crazy, but if Cincinnati was sitting at number two, Cincinnati would have to lose two games before Notre Dame would jump in the rankings. I think if Cincinnati lost once right now, Notre Dame would jump ahead of them because they're Cincinnati and Notre Dame is Notre Dame. Um, the problem for Notre Dame is, and the pro- well, problem for Cincinnati is Oklahoma's eight zero and behind Cincinnati, and yeah. they're going to jump them if they they win out. Yep. I don't know if I see a path for Notre Dame to the playoff, um, unless absolute chaos happens. Which I could mean, happen. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Th- I mean, this season there's there's chaos, but it's also possible Alabama sitting there at number two could lose to Georgia by three points in the SEC championship game and still make the playoff. Yeah, no, they could not. <laughs> well, I mean, yeah. Bama's really, really, I guess, good and consistently good and right, wrong, or indifferent. They they get a little bit different pass than anybody else. Yeah, I mean, they do. And, look, here's, here's Notre Dame's path to the playoff. Wisconsin continues winning all the way, and they win the Big Ten championship. They, so they beat, beat Ohio Michigan. State. No, they, Ohio they, State and Michigan State. To... I mean, they just they win the Big Ten championship. They okay. win the, the title game, and then Notre Dame's got a. Then they'll have a top fifteen win, and the Big Ten probably doesn't make the playoff, mm-hmm. and Notre Dame can sneak in. Ilya, what's your fun. your thoughts? I think that's the, the 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 best chance for Notre Dame to make it in, and that's not I a very good opportunity. I would agree with you. No, it's <laughs> not. So that's why my answer is going to be there's there's no chance at Notre Dame to make yeah, the it's playoff. Two like percent. There, there's, there's none absolutely after these rankings come out, and um, Alabama sitting at number two with a loss, which is I think absolutely absurd. Uh, I know people are saying, oh, it's going to play out eventually with Auburn and Alabama and Georgia, however that plays out, but. Um, I, I just still think that a one-loss Alabama team at, at sitting at number two is absolutely absurd. I, and I'm stunned. Oregon, one-loss Pac-12 team, is sitting at number yeah. four. Yeah. They do have the best win in college football. Yes, they have the best win, but they also lost to Stanford. It was just not good. Um, <laughs> all right, let's, let me ask you this question. Let's, let's assume Notre Dame wins out. Mm-hmm. They do not make the playoff. You have the nine teams there ahead of them, Georgia, Bama, Michigan State, Oregon, Ohio State, Cincinnati, Michigan, Oklahoma, Wake Forest. We have no idea how everything will play out. Out of those nine teams, who would you most want to see Notre Dame play in in a New Year's Six Bowl game if Notre Dame won out and then didn't make the playoff? Who would you most want to see them play? Anybody. I would want to see that rematch with Cincinnati. I, Ooh, I think that would be oh, a I'm not a big rematch great, guy. <laughs> I'm not a big Michigan. rematch guy either. <laughs> I, you know the I, kind of storylines I would bring, especially yeah. if Notre Dame were, were to win that game. I I think a lot of people what are – matter? They're going to just be like, oh, they beat Cincinnati. No, but I mean, like, I'm talking about even before – or I mean, before going up. into the game because Notre Dame is playing a lot better than they were when they – face yeah. Cincinnati. Cincinnati isn't playing They're as not well. Do a rematch. They're not or Michigan. Do if if it's yeah. not Cincinnati, Michigan. Well, I'm yeah, Michigan, number one Michigan, Michigan State. Michigan, Michigan State. I think you go Michigan, Michigan State. Then after that, it gets interesting. Do they have any like tie-ins with Wake Forest they, that they have to do? Well, the most likely scenario is, depending on the way the stuff would yeah. pan out, they likely would end up playing Wake Forest yeah. in the Peach Bowl. That's the most likely scenario, um, but let's just ignore that possibility. Um, okay, the, the, but to my point is, who would you not want them to face? It, wor- worst case scenario, I absolutely no chance I want them to face this team. Go ahead. 
Bama. Yeah, Alabama. <laughs> what, you want them to face Georgia? But, but they're unfairly well, ranked Georgia, high. Georgia, like, if they win out the regular season, they're in. It doesn't matter what happens in the conference championship, they're in. Right, but they – well, actually, you know what? Well, okay, I, so they would the, – the case for Georgia would be they have to get upset and then they lose to Bama. Or Auburn, who they already beat. If Auburn well, I'm saying – I'm saying it. but if they, if they lose two games, they lose the conference championship and a regular season game, then they're out of the – Playoff. Right, but yeah. that's impossible. At I don't know point. if it's impossible, but it's unlikely. All right, yeah. so but I'm saying, what about what about Ohio State? I don't know if I would want to see. That would be interesting. I would want to face Ohio State. I don't think Ohio State is all that good. It'd be interesting to play them when you play them first game of the season next year. That oh, yeah. that that would make it real intriguing in that regard. Mm. Um, I don't know how you play that out. Do you you roll Buckner out and go here you go. <laughs> Let them see them, but also you got to see them. Uh, interesting. Um, in terms of, I would assume Wake Forest is the team you least want them to see in terms of, like, this gets you real excited. Entertainment value. Yeah. Uh, I, I don't know. I wouldn't mind an undefeated Wake Forest team. The, the reason why I would go against Wake Forest is because you're getting no credit if you beat them. Yeah. And if you lose to them, oh, gosh. That's not going to go over well. I think. I well, think we just had a lot of ACC football last year too. Yeah, so that was my. I I'll go. I'll go. Michigan, Michigan State, Oklahoma, Oregon as my top four of. Yeah, I, Michigan, I think it would be Michigan fun State. to see him play Oklahoma. I don't think. I True. don't know. Oregon. I can't remember yeah. the last time they played them. That'd be yeah, fun. That, that would be, that would be good. Um. All right. Uh. Let's. Let's pay some bills. Notre Dame Federal Credit Union has been serving the Notre Dame community for over 80 years. Get a debit or credit card from Notre Dame FCU and take a little bit of Notre Dame with you wherever you go. Member-owned not-for-profit banking is the way to go. You raise share of values. Why not share in our benefits? Notre Dame Federal Credit Union. And special congrats to Notre Dame FCU on being named Michiana's best financial institution, best investment firm, and best mortgage lender in the South Bend Tribune's Best of the Best Awards. Okay, uh, we'll make this quick. We kind of touched on it. Is Notre Dame's offense good now, or are the defenses they are playing bad, Kevin? I'd give them credit. I think that they're getting better and better. Um, it is like an up and down year. You can't tell. Well, this team did this against that. You know, team. I do. I think that their offense is getting better. I think uh, their offense is getting better, but I do think the defenses they've been playing have been atrocious. Atrocious. So I think Notre Dame is getting better, mm -hmm. but they're getting better because you North Carolina so and USC. Toledo's defense is stronger than USC's. Maybe. <laughs> well, Wisconsin. I mean, um, well, Wisconsin. Wisconsin, UNC, or well, North Carolina, I guess. They're, well, Wisconsin, right. they didn't score Sometimes points. Sometimes your points take a little bit for me to Hold on. warm up to. Hold on. Wisconsin, they didn't score points against. Remember, they had two pick sixes and, an, uh, oh, yeah. and a special teams touchdown. So it's not like the offense scored in that game. Um, all right. How about this one? How about Notre Dame's defense? You worried? I think they're getting better. I, for them against Ooh. Navy, I would say, yeah. There's, I, I think they're going to score enough points. Notre Dame will score enough points to win big. So it's not going to be an issue. But with a new defensive coordinator, yeah. Navy's an odd scheme at times with different kind of overloaded uh, or bizarre formations. Notre Dame's had trouble adjusting, like Cincinnati. So, again, watching Cincinnati versus um, Navy, they went to like a 4-4, which is, you know, 
and other defense coordinators have done that in the past for Notre Dame, have just a Navy defense. So I don't know. I mean, that'll be the interesting thing. I think how Notre Dame's def- – just today, to keep it really simple, how Notre Dame's defense adjusts to to Navy and staying healthy and then also special teams. But I, I think they're getting better. <laughs> I mean, I was pretty well, down on them early in the year. Well, it also helps that Marcus Freeman – previously coached at Cincinnati who was in the same conference as Navy played so him this, twice. Yeah, this won't be the first time that he's seen Navy yeah, yeah. he played him twice so that does help and totally. Brian Kelly said that did he have to ask about his scheme against Navy in the interview process he yeah. said no oh. because he played him already but <laughs> had he not played him yeah that has to be part it, of it if he not played him he goes absolutely it's an academy. A, yeah it's absolutely <laughs> one of the questions but since he had played him he said he, did, he didn't He didn't need to uh, ask it. All right, we'll get more into the Navy breakdown uh, coming up a little bit later in the show. Big thing, thank you to Tyrac for all the support of our internship program that we run with students from St. Joseph and Marion High Schools here in Michiana. The students receive practical college-level internship experience helping out with our broadcast of high school football. Wouldn't be possible without the underwriting support from the folks at Tyrac. No surprise, Tyrac named the best tire center in Michiana in the South Bend Tribune's Best of the Best Awards. More tires, great prices. Visit TireRack.com. All right, still to come, again, more in-depth on Navy and the problems they bring. Dibber, Digger Phelps is our special guest interview today. And up next, New Prairie alum Chase Ketterer has the job of prefer, preparing the Irish defense for Navy. He's a scout team quarterback. Hear from him next on Notre Dame Federal Credit Union's Irish Sports Saturdays. Indiana Physical Therapy is your choice for physical and occupational therapy. We treat all walks of life from peewees to professionals, Olympians, and those in between. Schedule at one of our 21 locations without a doctor's order. We accept all insurance plans and have the highest credentialed and most reputable staff. Open 7 to 7 to schedule the same day you call. Indiana Physical Therapy. Call 260-209-2464 or visit indianapt.com where people go to get better. Congratulations to Dwanger, Marion, and St. Joe on winning sectional championships last night. Lures upset by Eastside, so they were taken down. So, uh, congr- or I'm sorry, I'm sorry, St. Joe did not win. I, I don't know. I'm spacing. Sorry. I was thinking, I was thinking about New Prairie. New Prairie, you won. were there. I know. I know. I, know. I was, was late at the game. Uh, it was a late night, and I was thinking about New Prairie because we're going to talk about Chase Ketterer. That was the lead in, and I screwed it all up. Uh, so, congratulations to Dwanger in Fort Wayne. Marion here in yeah. Michiana for winning sectional Unfortunately, championship. Unfortunately, not St. Joe. St. Joe did not win. They lost uh, to New Prairie. New Prairie, uh, very good program. And, of course, their former quarterback is Chase Ketterer, now a sophomore at Notre Dame. He ran the triple option under Russ Radke for a long time. And that was one of the things that Brian Kelly liked about him. So he is the scout team quarterback for Notre Dame, uh, preparing. He basically plays the role of the Navy quarterback. And uh, he does an excellent job there. And it's kind of neat, Kevin, that Brian Kelly first caught eyes on Chase Ketterer because Kelly's at the game yeah, for watching his son, watching his son Kenzel, play for St. Joe mm-hmm. uh, against New Prairie a couple of years back. And he's like, hey, that this, guy's, this guy's pretty good. Especially he's al- at running the option. Yeah, and, and he was also watching Hunter Whitenack, who is um, – Committed to Illinois. I did an interview with that kid after the game last night. That's a big guy. Holy cow, is he huge. <laughs> he is massive. Now, I did meet him when he was a freshman, and I was like, wow. <laughs> you're hey, you're a large human. <laughs> yeah. He's big back then. Anyway, uh, Chase, uh, a 
phenomenal high school football player. I mean, he was outstanding running that option. I mean, look at the numbers that he had. 5,500 yards rushing. That's crazy. 98 touchdowns in his three years as New Prairie starting quarterback. He also threw 17 touchdown passes. Um, you know, Ketterer, they prepare for Navy pretty much all year. Maybe not necessarily like during the week, but they do it a lot in the summer during mm-hmm. training camp. They do it on the bye week. They might sprinkle something in a little bit during the season. And here's what defensive lineman Jason Adamiola said when asked uh, this week how important Chase Ketterer is to help prepare the Notre Dame defense for Navy. Very, very important. I, I'm not sure, but I, Chase might have ran this offense in high school, and he's super athletic. He's very, very tough, and then we was hitting him today. So he's super physical. He was getting up there, running the offense, and he just loves it. Like He's one of the guys that like he, he makes me happy to be out there and practice and on the practice field because – He's running that scout team. He's like a captain scout team. Everybody respects him. If he's telling you what to do, you're going to listen, and everybody's out there trying to just get better. You know, that's it's great. When yeah, you're, yeah, really cool. When you're hearing that uh, from a, a star player like uh, Jason Adamiola about Chase Cutter, that, that, that shows you right there how important that player is. Well, and the triple option is really tough to simulate in practice. Yeah. So you got to have the, some. The worst things you got to be able to flow and have pursuit and be able to play fullback to quarterback to pitch. Um, but like he said, to be able to actually hit the scout team quarterback. I mean, there's years where you know you practice running by him, and then you get in a game and your kids run by him. <laughs> like there, it's just it's a different angle. It's a whole different um, kind of setup. A whole different way to defend, especially now the more and more spread that you face, the more odd, you know, that becomes. I mean, again, Notre Dame defense stopping the fullback, that'll be interesting. I, I'm sure they can do it. There's, It's not like it's a matchup deal. It's just assignment uh, football. And, again, Navy's coach is pretty smart. All right. I also had a chance to chat with Chase about his role not only this week, but his time at Notre Dame as a whole. Here's that interview. How much does your experience at New Prairie help you in this role, in this position that you're in? I think it helps me a lot. I mean, I've been running triple options since I was probably in fifth grade. So, I mean, I kind of know it like the back of my hand a little bit. Uh, so, you know, reading, reading guys, it's definitely a little different here with, you know, everybody being fast and you have Isaiah Foskey's coming off the edge and stuff like that. But uh, I think it definitely helps. And then beyond just this week, having, you know, Coach Kelly said the last few weeks you've been very critical on scout team as a whole. Having that role and that responsibility of preparing the defense, you know, how important is that to you and how seriously do you take that? I take it very seriously. I mean, I think most of the walk-ons here really do. I mean, it's it's different from being in high school and then you come here and being on scout team. Uh, it's, it's definitely different, but I think all of us take pride in, you know, not get necessarily getting in the game on Saturdays, but uh, being a part of the win by helping the team during the week. What made you decide this made sense for you to come here, be a scout team guy, as opposed to, you know, go somewhere else where you may have an opportunity to play. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it was really, I'm, I'm from here, hometown kid. So, I mean, uh, Notre Dame, always, always watching them growing up. So I think, I think that was a big part of it. I mean, the education here, uh, getting to come to school at Notre Dame, uh, something you really, you know, don't get anywhere else. So I had to, I had to take the opportunity. How has your experience in Notre Dame, you know, obviously you're still young, just a sophomore, but how has your experience in Notre Dame, you know, kind of changed you as a as a player and a, and a person? It's changed me a lot. Uh, I feel like I matured, you know, five years in the matter of like two. So uh, it, it's like a job here. It's different than high school. It's you're, you have a strict schedule. You, you know, you got to be there. You got to be ready. So 
it's really prepares you for more than just football. I mean, life after football. Uh, it, it's like a job here. So uh, I think it's really matured me. Have you had a chance to leapfrog anyone? <laughs> not, nope, not yet. Uh, yeah, I don't think if I did that in practice, I think uh, something, so, some things might be said to me. He, he uh, leapfrogged Mishawaka in a game uh, a couple of years back. So uh, that's, okay. that's why uh, I had to ask him that one. But uh, it's cool to hear from Give them an opportunity for the walk-ons to chat, especially yeah. a local kid. And uh, you could tell how much – I mean, you couldn't see it, but when he's actually answering the question about, you know, why he chose Notre Dame, he's like, it's Notre – like, I'm a hometown kid. This yeah. is – like, his his smile was so massive as he was answering that, um, which is really neat. You know, he had an offer from Valparaiso. He could have played one double-A, mm -hmm. but, you know – and it takes a lot, Kevin. You know how this oh, is. Oh, yeah. No, scout teams are pretty tough. Well, and then – I. The uh, respect that he gets from the starters, so to say that he's like a scout team captain. Yeah. That means I mean, a lot. That, that's a lot, especially I if would, he's a sophomore. I mean, it's not like a guy that's been there four or five years. That's, I wouldn't that's be, impressive. I wouldn't be surprised. It's hard because he the position he plays. Mm -hmm. If he was at another position, I think he'd have a get he'd get a chance to maybe actually play as a senior because he's that much of an athlete. Mm -hmm. I don't know where that role would be because it would be kind of hard. Especially since right now he'd probably be like Buckner, you know. Yeah. What I mean? It would be like he would be the runner back there. Um, yeah. So I mean, I would, I guess you would expect him more as a safety. But we're special teams player, right? And maybe that's what he maybe ends up being a special teams guy. Mm -hmm. um, but he is a very good athlete, and, and it's great to see him succeeding. And we're really excited for him. And 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 I, you know, and the local guys. That's always yeah. cool. And always as much time. as I gave uh, Notre Dame uh, a lot of trash for sending walk-ons out at the last minute, I appreciate they said this walk on out they sent one of the local <laughs> kids so we're happy about that all right still to come what will navy look like with their quarterback running the show against notre dame and up next my interview with former notre dame men's basketball coach the legendary digger phelps notre dame federal credit union's irish sports saturdays back right after this we know you like football so do we we're tire and this is our version of a two-minute drill except it's only 30 seconds TireRack.com has an enormous selection of tires. Not sure which ones to buy? Use our tire decision guide to find the right tires for your vehicle and the way you drive. Then get them shipped fast and free on all orders over $50. Shipping is in as little as one day. Free. TireRack.com ships to independent recommended installers. TireRack.com. The way tire buying should be. Touchdown. Welcome back on Notre Dame Federal Credit Union's Irish Sports Saturdays. Angel DiCarlo, Kevin Downey, Ilya Glasman with you here. Time for our feature interview. And it's with Digger Phelps, the Notre Dame men's basketball coach from 1971 to 1991. Led the Irish to its only ever Final Four appearance in men's basketball in 1978. Defeated seven number one ranked teams, including, of course, ending the 88-game win streak of UCLA in 1974. But... We've heard those stories so much over the years. So when I spoke to Digger this week, I wanted to pick his brain on other topics. He's been in Notre Dame now 50 years. Uh, not many still alive today knew Father Ted Hesburgh so well and as well as Digger Phelps. So we discuss a lot about Father Ted and Digger shares some of his favorite spots on campus. Here's my conversation with the one of the kind, Digger Phelps. Well, haven't gotten to talk to you in a while, but not that long ago you turned 80. Uh, how, <laughs> tell us how you're, how you're feeling these days, how you're doing and how you've been, uh, keeping yourself busy. Well, age is a number and 80 is just one of those numbers, but obviously you reach that point, you move forward and try to get through the next decade, so to speak, but I'm healthy. Everything's fine. And 
I just stay busy enough and retired enough to have that balance to survive in a game of life. You know, not many people uh, have had such a close relationship with Father Ted Hesburgh as, as you were able to have. So, and in many ways, you've become a historian of, of, of his life. Uh, when you arrived in Notre Dame, he had long been established as Father Ted already. But um, I feel like you, you know him so well and his history. Why, why, I'll give you a very broad question. Uh, you know, why do you feel he was the right man at the right time for Notre Dame um, when they made him university president in 1952? When Father Soren came over from France at the age of 28 in 1842, he made Notre Dame become visible, and Father Hesburgh picked up the ball from him, in my opinion, and made what Notre Dame is today in many different ways. Academically, being co-ed, you know, you got a 1,000 men, a 1,000 women in each class of 2,000 a year. But more importantly, when he wrote the Civil Rights Act for President Eisenhower with three men from the South and three men from the North with him, his influence from that Civil Rights Act um, just touched so many people around the world. Uh, I became a disciple of Hesburgh because of what he believed in the spirituality of Notre Dame. And he was six years old in Syracuse, New York, when he decided to become a priest, came here at the age of 16. And obviously, when he died here a few years back, he left an impact on many. But more importantly, I think it was how he just had his own visual way of presenting spirituality to anybody in any place, any time. And yet, uh, when he passed, that funeral, when it left the church, was incredible. From the Basilica to the priest cemetery on the way to St. Mary's, wall-to-wall people on both sides, especially women, because he's the guy that believed if the lady on the dome, Blessed Mother Mary, she's a woman, it's about time this place becomes a woman, and he made that happen. But I think he just had ways of doing things spiritually, and he was a game priest. He went 7-0 and on the bench and beat three number one teams with San Francisco and, and Marquette and DePaul in double overtime. What's ironic about that one? I'm walking off the court with him after a game. I said a lot of prayers for this. Yeah, Digger, I was running out of Hail Mary. But he was that kind of priest that left an impact on me, which led to me and knowing and understanding people. So why do you hang around? I say the spirituality of Notre Dame. When you were seeing him from afar at first, right, you got to get to know him personally so well once you became head coach and then even after both of you retired. But when you were watching him from afar, how influential of a figure was he, you know, that were you almost intimidated when you when you first met him? No, more of respect for who he was and what he was, especially in 1957 when he and those men wrote the Civil Rights Act for President Eisenhower. I felt that, and and seeing Father Hesburgh and who he was and how he was as a person, he was the people's priest. As Mother Teresa was as a nun, he was this as a priest. Uh, Pope Paul VI's buddy, Monsignor Mondavi from Milano, they used to hang out at Alfredo's restaurant, which was four blocks from the Vatican when they'd go over there for meetings, and he wanted to make him a cardinal. And Father Ted said, no, I'm a priest. And after even Pope Paul VI gave him the ring, he kept the ring. But as he said to the Pope secretary, I'm a priest and I'm going to die as a priest. And I think the fact is that that's respect that he had for priesthood, especially being a CSC here at Notre Dame. And in the follows the footsteps of Father Soren and his vision of what Notre Dame became, Hesburgh did so many different things around outside of university and getting to know people and understand people. He had this way of 
saying things at a luncheon. And this woman came up to him after and says, Father, how do I get involved to make a difference in people's lives? And he said, ABC. And after on the way back home, uh, his driver, Marty, and Father Ted said, who's that lady? And he said uh, to Father Ted, that's Joan Crock. Well, he's never been to McDonald's in his life. Well, the next thing you know, he invites her for a football weekend. She comes, he drives around campus, says to her, in this building we do Europe, and then driving more in a golf cart. This building we do South America. And finally she says, you don't have one building? She says, no. He said, no, we just do it all around the different parts of the campus. She sends a, tech, a check for $10 million when she got back from that game. Well, and then she came up for the groundbreaking ceremony here at Notre Dame a year later. And all the shovels and everything else, they break ground. Well, a year later, he goes into the development office and says, what's the interest on $10 million? 10%, good. Send a check for $1 million to Joan Crock because we don't have one brick in the ground yet. Whoops. So that changed quick. Next thing you know, uh, he's up fishing at Land Lakes where the priests hang out. And she calls him on his birthday, which is May 25th. And he says, uh, thanks for calling, Joan. Yes, it's my birthday and I'm fishing. She says, did you get my birthday card yet? He says, no, I'll get it back to the campus. I'll be back this weekend. He gets back to campus as a birthday card and a check for another $25 million. Next thing you know, when she passed a few years back, $50 million to Notre Dame. But that's how he was with people. And he can influence people to believe in this place, even if they never had any contact with Notre Dame. And to have the national impact and international impact that this place has, Father Hesburgh, beyond his 35 years as president, made that tradition go on and make this place what it is today. The great Digger Phelps joining us here on Notre Dame Federal Credit Union's Irish Sports Saturdays. Uh, how, how about them for you once you, you came to Notre Dame? What kind of obvious role model did he become for you and what did you learn from from father ted that the ways he taught you uh, you wrote a book a few years back uh, about father ted and how you called it he coached me um tell us some of those ways of of how he coached you up in life well it was the influence of father hesburgh he being a priest um he would get us ready mentally physically and spiritually for a game and i was hired by father joyce and father hesburgh they told me three things Graduate your players, don't break any NCAA rules, and then make sure that we're competitive. I said, what's competitive? Well, I win 18 games a year. Well, my first year we go 6-20, and 20, and my big brother Bob Knight beats us by 65 down in Bloomington, 94-29. But knowing that he was that kind of priest, and he set by example, and beyond the Civil Rights Act, what he did here at the university with people, and putting people in different positions to make this place what it is today, to expand the academic side of what this place is. Our school of business and our graduate school of business is as good as any school in the country. And the way we get people ready for pre-med to become doctors or any type of medical personnel, men and women, that was another capacity. He just had this way and influence whoever he hired. You Here's the ball, you play the game, but make sure you're getting these people ready for the game of life. And that was the most important thing that he taught me was, yeah, they play basketball, Digger, but from Notre Dame and that Notre Dame network, make sure you're getting them ready for the game of life and the life after basketball. And when you look out today and we see some of my graduates, 56 played, all 56 graduate. I never let them down. And their life after basketball, well, we could get Jameer Jackson as an example from Peoria, Illinois. He's the CFO of Hertz today. Paxson ran the Bulls for 17 years after he played. Uh, Stan Wilcox is down in Indianapolis. And he was on a, a freshman in 78, and he's now like number three in the NCAA. A kid like Mike Mitchell from San Bruno, California. Uh, he came 
in his freshman year, he played a sophomore year, he tore his knee up his junior year, his same knee, other side got torn up, didn't play for two years, the senior year I make him captain. But more importantly, the other thing Hesper got me involved with is leadership. Give me somebody that's creative, somebody that has that knows how to be a risk taker, somebody that has the right street smarts, and that somebody that knows how to be a survivor, that's leadership, nothing to do with grades. Mitch graduated with a 2.5 in business, had the leadership qualities, and obviously was a survivor. And the fact is this, he's the only guy in 20 years I gave a game ball to because he won and went through when we beat San Francisco here the second time we played him when they are in the top 10, and he was captain of that team, and he had 15 points in that game. He's the only guy I gave a game ball in 20 years. Mitch goes on to become president of Nestle's USA Beverage, and that's what Hesburgh did with me to put me in a position to know what to do with these athletes and how to get them into a game of life after their sport, like basketball. How about for your your own faith journey? How did he help you in, in, in that regard? Well, he always believed that the hidden crucifix in the woods, and people, a lot of people don't know where that is, but if you go up uh, past Columbo Hall on St. Mary's Road and St. Mary's Lake, and before you make that turn to go past the cemetery where all the priests are buried, including Father Hesburgh, you take a right on Seminary Road, you go down the first light pole, and there's a crucifix there. And I say that's the Blessed Mother Mary and Mary Magdalene on her left and Jesus on the cross. That's the sacred turf on this campus, and Father Hesburgh believed that. You can talk about Medjugorje and Yugoslavia or Fatima or Lourdes. No, she's here in spirituality at that position, and that's where I was when I found out I had prostate cancer. I was praying that morning, and my doctor calls and says, yes, you've got prostate cancer. Well, I look at Mary, Mary Magdalene, and Jesus, and I said, three of you know, didn't you? Now you're telling me get rid of it, get take care of it. Well, I ended up going out to Seattle to University of Washington where they have the uh, cancer uh, place to get it done. I had the surgery done and took care of that for the game of life, so to speak, for me to survive. But I think more importantly, when I look at Hesburgh and how he was and how he believed, I remember when he was his last week over at Holy Cross Hall, and it was just to watch him knowing that it was coming and to see it happen. And uh, when he passed, it just really hit me hard because I was a disciple of Hesburgh. He taught me a lot of different things and how to survive in the game of life, but more importantly, how to get other people to, to get their lives in order and put them in a positive direction. And I'll never forget the wake at the Basilica when they brought his casket in the caskets of them. I sat up in that first row about 3 o'clock that afternoon, and I just cried for 10 minutes because of what he was, who he was, and the impact he made in my life. Where do you feel you are now in your faith? Well, my faith every day, I'm over in the campus. Every morning I go over and say my morning prayers. And I'm at the Fatima house. I go by the hidden crucifix in the woods. And I go down by Moreau uh, Seminary. And uh, I say my prayers, especially hidden crucifix in the woods, uh, to Mary, Mary Magdalene, pray for me. St. Jude, Sacred Heart, Holy Spirit, pray for me. The power of prayer is the will of wind. That's, in essence, what I get accomplished And praying for those in need, praying for those who are sick praying for those who are deceased, and I, I do that every day over on campus, and that's part of the spirituality that Hesburgh left me with uh, t to make a difference, and, you know, if that takes 15, 20 minutes to do, well, there's 24 hours in a day. Just go do it, and don't make up excuses to why you can't pray. One basketball-related question for you to let you go. Uh, Muffin McGraw going into the ring of honor, no-brainer? No brainer. She's special. Uh, I'm never afraid she came here. I think it was in '85. And what she did to build that program and make it what it is today, uh, and to win three national championships and won nine Final Fours, 
she was an excellent recruiter, but more importantly, a game coach and can make things happen. And the rivalry with her and UConn, with Gino, was no different with my rivalry with the famous John Wooden at UCLA. He took up the challenge, and uh, she built this program to where she's knocking off UConn and winning national championships. She deserves to be in the ring of honor. Should have been sooner. But more importantly, uh, as she's left the game, as I have left the game, yeah, there's life after basketball. She's starting to do a little TV work now, and I did that for 20 years until I got tired of traveling. But now I just travel when I want to travel. Linda and I have our opportunities to do certain things when we want to do them. But I think more importantly, it's how I can just look back. The campus is right here. I still go to games to see what's going on, trying to get Mike Bray getting this thing going again. But I feel more importantly that Notre Dame has been a part of my life, but it's been the spirituality of Notre Dame that keeps me here, and I'll die here because this is what this place is. Tigger, thank you very much. My pleasure. He, he knew it was the last question. He's like, let me bring this back full circle for you. <laughs> he was great. Uh, Digger Phelps, legendary. Can't believe he's 80 years old. Uh, but uh, lived here 50 years. Yeah, that's the that's part pretty that's awesome. pretty remarkable, right? He came here as – as uh you know 29 30 years old when he got hired and he's been here 50 years now so uh, uh and uh as he said he he's lived he's gonna, here and he's, he's gonna, gonna die, die here, here. <laughs> so uh great to have digger on with us uh here uh this morning okay up next it is our game day sprint to kick off as we preview notre dame versus navy notre dame federal credit union's irish sports saturdays is back right after this Hi, this is Angel DiCarlo. By now, I'm sure you've heard the commercials about Elevate 150 from Notre Dame Federal Credit Union. My wife and I took part in the free financial checkup and got Redeemer Radio $150, so pretty awesome there. But we also got a lot more. Notre Dame FCU helped us out with a bunch of items that we have been pushing off for a while. Now we're in a much better position financially thanks to Notre Dame Federal Credit Union. Now it's your chance for better financial health. Sign up for a free checkup at NotreDameFCU.com Elevate. Welcome back on Notre Dame Federal Credit Union's Irish Sports Saturdays. Angel DiCarlo alongside Kevin Downey and Ilya Glasman. It's our game day sprint to kickoff. Navy 2-6 and six on the season. Notre Dame ranked 10th in the college football playoff rankings. The Irish are 7-1. and one. This is the 94th all-time meeting between these two schools. Notre Dame won 79 of those 93 previous matchups. Navy did beat Notre Dame most recently. You know, four of their 13 wins have come in the last 15 years, 2007, 2009, 2010, and 2016. Of course, they did not play last year because of the pandemic. That was the first time since 1926 that Notre Dame and Navy had not played. Um, you know, I mentioned those four years that Navy won. Yeah. Usually it's a combination of Notre Dame's down, and Navy's really good. Mm -hmm. Notre Dame is not as good maybe as they were last year or in 2019 or 2018 or 2017. But they're not down. Yeah. And Navy is not good. So that's the that's the ad part of the equation is that, you know, usually Navy's good. Yeah. They've been good <laughs> for a better, while. Yeah. And they're, they're a really good coach. Now, they're they're. Their schedule is unusual in terms of the results. So, look, the media one jumps out to you. They lost to Marshall in week one, 49-7. Yeah. I mean, it's like we could end the show right now based on just that number, right? That's a but long time ago. That's a long time ago. And they came back, uh, and the three good opponents they faced, Houston, they lost 28-20. Okay. 
Mm-hmm. They lost to SMU 31-24. And then the big one, two weeks ago, they lost to Cincinnati 27-20. So, okay. Yeah, and it was, it was a, yeah, that was an interesting game, too. That was one of – I was able to see the Cincinnati and Tulsa game, their last opponent. And Cincinnati, just because, obviously, that's, you know, Notre Dame's uh, loss. It was interesting. I mean, they played them well. Okay, so what – what – did they look like a two and six team to you when you're watching them play there against Cincinnati? Did Cincinnati play poorly? It was it was tight. The whole first half was close. I mean, it wasn't until like the third fourth quarter that Cincinnati broke away, and even then, I mean, it was still twenty twenty seven. Yeah, I mean, so do you feel like they're a much better team now than they were earlier? Are they better than their two and six? Record indicates, or or do you see the stuff that still makes you go, nah, they're two and six. Yeah, they they're better, but they're they're still two and six. Yeah, I mean, here's the thing that stood out to me when I looked at their overall stats: they're averaging only eighteen point one points per game. Yeah, I, you wouldn't expect Navy with a team that controls the ball the way they do um, to only average eighteen points a game, and they give up thirty points a game. So, I mean, this feels like one of those years that Notre Dame just blows them out, out of the roof. I mean, that it's supposed to be. I, I'm not yeah. saying it will be. But um, anyway, you know, now the difference here for Notre Dame is they're playing back-to-back high-powered offenses, USC and UNC. Now they go into a possession huge game against up. Navy. Yeah. Huge change. And next week, they're going to face another high-powered offense in Virginia. No question, it's an adjustment, says Irish linebacker J.D. Bertrand and Notre Dame coach Brian Kelly. It's definitely a change. I think the biggest thing is we know that we're going to have to be able to adjust to the speed of the game. And so you're not going to necessarily get that exact look and exact speed in practice. And so we know that through extra film watching and using things like resources like a walkthrough wall is where we're going to be able to, uh, like, pick up on that speed how important it is to be um you know so fundamentally sound uh and and you you've got to win one-on-one matchups and you know that's the thing you're 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 playing uh, an offense that you don't see the rest of the year we didn't see it last week and we won't see it next week so you have to shift gears you're not doing things in your practice schedule that you normally do so it's it's really getting out of a comfort zone more than anything else and um, that's difficult because you're you're so used to getting into routines, and so maybe get you out of that routine. Honestly, I am not worried about today. I'm worried about the way today affects next week against Virginia. That's the biggest effect I think having to go back uh, against oh, that. to speed it back up. Yeah, to speed it back up. That's my biggest worry. <laughs> Uh, but here's oh, I guess the old adage, one game at a time. Alex. Well, I'm worried well, about today. I mean, you, <laughs> well, I mean, this is like the ultimate. They should win. This is the ultimate trap game, right? Yeah. I mean, it. I mean, I don't know. I Marcus Freeman has played him before. We talked about that, that was earlier. A good point by the that, way. Yeah, that that helps. But I mean, they shouldn't lose. But I still think the whole key of the game would be how Notre Dame's defense adjusts to Navy in their triple option in formations and motions because I just believe that Notre Dame has better offensive skilled players that they will shine through there. I think you and I talked, well, we talked about at the beginning, there's going to be some time if they want to, they can just throw it up. They're going to have a style should have a 55 yard touchdown catch in the first quarter. If he wants, whenever they want, they, they should Notre Dame's drives 
should not be five, six minutes. They should be a minute and 30 seconds. And they should score touchdowns ASAP. If they don't, that makes it problematic. And I've always liked Navy's defense. They're sound. They're just aggressive, but they're overmatched. Yeah, they're overmatched. <laughs> Especially I mean, in the, the perimeter they, skill. Notre Dame may not score 49 points today because they might only get eight possessions. That's just the so way we, it goes. Yeah, the possession deal. That's crazy, right? Like, you, you only get so many times to get the ball. Yeah, I mean, Navy's averaging 35 minutes of time possession versus 24 for their opponents this year. That, that matters. All right. Uh, wow. This went quicker than I thought. Uh, let's go to our predictions. What do you got, Kevin? Let's say 42-21 uh, Notre Dame. Also, pay attention for special teams. Could be exciting plays out there. Yeah, that's true. Good, Good. or bad. Okay. Ilya, what do you got? I, looked, I watched back this morning the 2019 game mm -hmm. when Notre Dame played Navy, and there was a specific person that gave Navy a lot of fits, and that was Chase Claypool. Now, I'm not saying he is like Chase Claypool, but Kevin Austin kind of has that same mm. build nice. as Chase Claypool where he's tall and lengthy, and he could get that ball up. So watch out for him. He might score four well, touchdowns mismatch. as well. Well, I mean, whether it's Claypool or Styles <laughs> or Lindsey. Yeah, yeah, I mean, Lindsay, or Kyron Williams. I mean, right. all those guys should have a field day. I'm going – I'm Illy, did you give your score? No, uh, but my biggest key is for the defense to win on third down, so my uh, prediction is 35-17 Notre Dame. All right, 35-17. I, uh, I don't know what I want to go with. I'm going to go 38-13 Notre Dame, 38-13. Okay, uh, we are out of time. That will do it for Notre Dame Federal Credit Union's Irish Sports Saturdays, Notre Dame FCU, where Eubank does matter. For Kevin Downey, I'm Angel DiCarlo and Ilya Glasman. Notre Dame Navy kickoff at 3.30 today. 3.30 at Notre Dame Stadium. We'll be back with you next Saturday at 9 a.m. here on Notre Dame Federal Credit Union's Irish Sports Saturdays. Hi, this is Father Nate Wills. I'm a Holy Cross priest, a faculty member at Notre Dame's Alliance for Catholic Education, and one of the chaplains to the Notre Dame football team. This is a prayer that the players pray together at the end of our pregame mass. Let us pray. Grant, we beseech you, O Lord our God, that we may enjoy continual health of mind and body, and by the glorious intercession of Mary our Lady, may we accept the joys and trials of this life and someday enter into eternal happiness. We ask this through Christ our Lord. Amen. Go Irish! This has been a presentation of Redeemer Radio Sports. Thanks for joining us for Notre Dame Federal Credit Union's Irish Sports Saturdays. Enjoy today's game. Join Bishop Kevin Rhodes Wednesdays at noon for a new episode of Truth and Charity. Each week he has a conversation with host Kyle Hyman about scripture, the lives of the saints, and issues affecting Catholics today. Listen to episodes anytime by going to RedeemerRadio.com or search for Truth and Charity on the Apple, Google, or Spotify podcast apps. Then share your favorite with a friend. Truth and Charity with Bishop Rhodes is brought to you in part by Notre Dame Federal Credit Union.